bitch, you need to hear this. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Bitch, You Need to Hear This with your bitchiest host in all of the land, Katie P. And we are back for the fourth episode of season two. And like I said, you guys, every other week is going to be a guest. And then every other week is going to be our BU series where you just get me riffing off to you every week about some fun life lessons. So, but this week is a guest story and I have a lovely lady here with me today. And I am kind of excited to have an anonymous guest for the first time in a minute. We've only had, we only had one anonymous guest on season one and I really wanted to have more anonymous guests because I feel like all y'all have all these juicy stories and no one wants to tell because no one wants to get in trouble. And like, listen, I get that. I lost my fucking job from this podcast. So I literally understand the risk that comes with telling your story on a public platform. And I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think everybody needs their name associated with some really difficult things that they went through. However, and the reason that I created Bitch, You Need to Hear This is because we're all going through it. We all have stuff that we're dealing with. And social media is like such a highlight reel. And you think your life is in shambles when and everybody else seems to be doing fine when that could not be, be further from the truth. And so this podcast is for the everyday woman to come on here and share her truth and her authenticity in a safe place. The reality is that this is the public, so it's not always going to be a safe space. So sometimes we need to protect your identity in the same way that I protected the identities of my exes by giving them their crazy pseudo names. Like it's, we're not meant to drag people through the mud or that's, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to share our pain, our truth, and how we healed and how we've turned our pain into power. So I am very appreciative that our second guest of season two is going to be anonymous and is going to share a story that I think a lot of you are going to relate to. And a lot of you have personal experience with this because at the end of the day, and if you see the title of this episode, you know what you're in for. We all have had drama with our parents and hello, father. I know you listen to this episode. I'm going to listen to this. You listen to every fucking episode of bitch. You need to hear this. So before you go off and get all triggered, just turn the damn episode off. I'm not going to talk shit about you. The reality is, is that we all have conflict with our parents at some juncture and my dad and I will be the first to tell you that we have attended therapy together. <laughs> <laughs> we have worked on our problems and I love that. And I'm appreciative of that. And that I have that type of relationship with my dad that we can talk about the real, real shit, but I'm not the only one that struggles at times with their parents and just the, you know, family dynamics and structures that we're all born into. And so today our guest is going to tell her story about her relationship with 
her mom. And I am going into this a little green. I don't know what our guest is going to say about her mom. And so I'm on the edge of my seat, just as you should be. And I can't wait to dive in. Usually when I go in kind of green, it ends up being like way better than I even thought it was going to be. So I am excited um, and honored to hold the space for you as you share. So I'm going to shut up now and let our guest introduce herself. Hello, Anonymous. Hello. Hello. Um, I am excited to share this story because I know multiple of my friends, when I've opened up about it, are also like, me too. So I think it's great for us to all know that we have similar experiences. So um, I guess I'll just kind of just dive in so background. we're we're gonna tell we're telling a story about your mom so i don't know where that mm-hmm. needs to start and um i guess we'll i get we're, this is going to organically unfold i'm very excited so okay. start from wherever feels true to you okay um so i guess i'll start from the beginning so my mom was a teen mom so that can come with uh, some trials and tribulations. How and old was she when all... you were? Are you the oldest? Um, no, I'm not the oldest. So, okay. uh, you don't have to give after... identifying things, but you're not the oldest. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm not the oldest. Okay. Um, but I grew up the oldest, if that makes sense. Okay. So, I my mom was 19 when she had me. She, okay. uh, I think was like under 18 when she graduated so she was one of those like early birthdays so she was already in her sophomore year of college when she had me um to me I was like her best friend like her her one person her and my dad were kind of on and off I mean they were very young my dad was in his early 20s she was 19 so he was still involved with like raising me but like their relationship was on and off um, so I'm telling that bit of background and going that far back because that kind of sets the tone for how our relationship proceeded for the mm-hmm. rest of my life until today. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. so, uh, yeah, so we'll fast forward many, many years. Um, she's had two more kids and I am the living as the oldest and I am kind of put into, like this role of being the parent so like parentification um and I think that's kind of where the relationship really started to break down is for a while she saw me as her equal um but at the same time she also would like to pull like the mom card sometimes so she would I would be doing a lot of like changing diapers and like I babysat a lot and um my parents leaned on me a lot as like a 12 year old a 11 year old I think the first time I babysat I was like 10 and a half or 11 so from a very young age I was taking on a lot of those roles of um being a parent so then there was that dynamic going on and then throw into the the mix my dad was a is a still is a very chill calm full collected guy like almost a little too much go with the flow and then how so your parents were like 
high school sweethearts are together for a long time or is this your stepdad um, or your adoptive dad? They got they got married when I was I think I was five. Okay. No, I was four. I was little. Is it, and this is your bio dad or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um and then my mom's kind of dynamic in our household and relationship was so she just has a very we'll just call it a very short temper. Um, when things don't go her way, she very much has that vibe of like, it's not going my way. I'm just going to panic and break down. She also doesn't have coping skills. So when faced with hard situations, like parenting <laughs> three children you know. and being married, <laughs> you know, working and all those things, uh, and then having no coping skills, it just made it so there was a lot of, I call them tornadoes, tantrums, eruptions. So a lot of times in those eruptions, I became the target, the attackee. So I guess I'll give some very specific examples. Um, Like there was this one time, one of my really good friends was moving away to China because her dad got transferred from our company in our hometown to China. And I was very upset about it and her parents were throwing her this huge going away party and my mom had had a bad day at work but she had promised to take me to the party and so she came home from work and was just had been like yelling at everyone all day because she had had a bad day and I was like are you still going to take me to the party or do I need to find another run she's like no I'll take you proceeded to take me an hour and a half late when the party was only like two and a half three hours So missing the majority of the party and then on the way over there told me like, well, I don't even know why you're going. Like she probably doesn't even like you. She's probably not even that good of a friend to you. So just like things like just zingers, things like that. Like where when she was very stressed, it was like all these nasty words would Mm -hmm. come out. But then it's like, I would get home that night and then she's like, Oh, I love you. You're my favorite. So it was Jekyll and Hyde, very back and forth. Was there any restitution for like the mean comments? Like, would she be like, sorry, I said that ever? No. Okay. So it's just like it never happened. No. Okay. And my dad was always just like, well, that's just, you know, just ignore it. That's just, that's just her. And I think he was just like, so used to it that he was just like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. That's just her. Um, I can give an even more specific example of something that happened, uh, when I went home for Christmas, I, I lived in a different state than my home state for seven years. And when I was living in the other state, it was a very expensive state and city I was living in. Mm-hmm. And I was a bro bitch. Okay. I was just starting my career. Also still not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. So it just mm-hmm. kind of happened all over the place not making good money. And so like, I couldn't afford to go home for holidays very often. And one year, my grandfather was like, I will just buy you the ticket to come home. We want to meet my husband, which was my boyfriend at the time. Like we want to meet him. We've never met him. Like, and if this is the guy that you're going to be with forever, like we just want to meet him. So let's fly you home and you can like hang out with the family. Yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay, sounds great. So we get home, everything is like so fine for the first like couple days. And then we, it was the day of making Christmas cookies because I was home for Christmas. 
And my mom had put the cookies in the oven and then had burnt them. And I was talking to my aunt because my aunt was like, oh, the cookies are a little burnt. My aunt is my mom's older sister. And I was just like, okay, cool. Let's just scrape off the bottom. Not a big deal. And then my older sister came in and was like, wait, what's going on? And I was like, oh, we're just going to scrape the bottoms of the cookies because they're burnt because, I don't know, they just were in too long. Like, it's not a big deal. We can fix this. And then my mom came in and was like, why are you guys talking about me? And we were just like, you literally can hear us. You were just literally in the dining room. Like, the cookies are burnt. And then I made a joke of like, this is an A and B conversation. You can see your way out. Because she had literally heard what I had already said. And this just snowballed into a ginormous tantrum. Ginormous. Like, she told me I was a, that I was a fucking cunt and that I was a bitch, an ungrateful bitch, and that I should not talk to her that way when she is helping me. And I was like, first of all, that is a joke from like kindergarten. <laughs> Second of all, I only made the joke because you were standing literally right next to me when I said, we're just going to scrape the bottoms off and then we can have all the kids frost the cookies. Like you were literally just standing there. She, and she accused like, you of talking about her. And then you yeah. said, this is an AB conversation. See your way out of it. And then she called you a cunt. Just wanted yeah. to like reiterate that for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is also not like when I was a kid, like, like I said, this was like when I was an adult and I came back home to visit. So like I'm spending my holiday right. coming all the way, back, which traveling on the holidays, to come all the way back home yeah like from the opposite side of the country right to, like, spend time with everyone right and then she like ran into the room and like slammed the door and was like um don't talk to me and my like older sister who didn't grow up in our house like just doesn't know all these crazy dynamics like rushed after her and was like what's wrong what's wrong and then my grandpa like came up to me and like put his finger in my face Cause that's his little princess and was like, don't you talk to your mom like that? And my aunt was like, don't you talk to my niece like that? And then I was like, all right, I'm going to dip out. And my dad was like, no, don't leave. And I was like, uh, I think I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's appropriate for me to just take some space. And then the next day she called me and I had, she had texted me that night and was like, just come back like it, everything will be fine because we were staying at a hotel but we were back at our hotel room like hours before we had planned on being back and I was like no it's chill like we're just gonna stay here and I was like and I'm not gonna come tomorrow to grandpa's to celebrate I think it was like Christmas Eve or Christmas I was like because we're here for like another two days after y'all leave so we'll just celebrate with him on one of those days because we're staying at his house anyways and she was like how dare you do that to me and I was like do what like give us space because we're we're clearly not having good interaction and then I got a phone call for like an hour just yelling at me and my husband was like is that your mom is she yelling at you because this is the first time he ever really like saw her have a fit and he was like why is she mad when she yelled at you yesterday and I was like Tony I don't know it is what it is. So this is just, those are just some specific examples of how our relationship is. And she very much has 
never said sorry or like I wish I could have like had better emotional control when I was raising you. Whenever we I try to address things that happened in my childhood or like when I like joke about like, oh, that's just my PTSD. She's like, what? Why do you have PTSD? But it's like I can't talk to her because she's never wanted to openly talk about it. And I always get the excuse, well, I tried as hard as I could. And it's like, well, that's great because as hard as you could was not wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have like recently started therapy and like we've been doing a lot of work and all these things that like triggered me, like, and I would get really upset if like certain phrases were said to me by friends or by my husband like I didn't realize it was because of well I kind of did but like I didn't realize how big of an impact it had on me until like my therapist was like oh so like is that something your mom used to tell you a lot and I was like yeah like for example when people tell me I'm being dramatic because I used to have really bad panic attacks and I they started in high school and my mom literally stared at me while I was having a panic attack and said you're just being dramatic. It's just a high school project. Figure it out. But like, mind you, I had gone to school until like 2.30 p.m. And then I had gone to dance practice for the dance team at school for two hours. And then I had gone to my dance studio for like three to four hours. And I had volunteered in there somewhere too. So it was like all these things. You want me to be involved in a sport. You want me to be involved in my dance lessons. And then you want me to also volunteer and go to school and get A's. And now I'm having a panic attack. because I don't think I'm going to get an A on this project. And you're telling me not to be dramatic. Like that's not helping. Like I don't. Well, so I have a fun story like that. My mom did not call me dramatic, but they, (laughs) I was like, I was younger too. I was like seven And I was in like activities like that. Like I was in school all day and then I would go to like five different things and I wouldn't get home every night, five days a week till like 9 p.m. I'd be in Mm -hmm. dance classes, horseback riding, what like Girl Scouts, catechism, like whatever. (laughs) And um, I started having unexplained vomiting and I could not, I was missing like copious amounts of school no one could figure out why. And my parents took me to all these specialists. They're like, there's must be something wrong with her. Like gastrointestinal. Like she, <laughs> I would literally be home from school throwing up like 20 times a day oh my and God. literally in a day, like couldn't keep anything down. Like it was bad. And horrible. it was, it was. And I remember going to all these doctors, my pediatrician all the time. And so finally I went to this doctor and I remember them just sitting there and they're looking at me and they're talking to me and they're like, what do you like to like, what do you do after school? And I said, I'm like, well, I'm in this, this, that, that, this and that, and this and that, and this and that. And they're like, um, <laughs> and they looked at my parents and they're like, you know, I think this is anxiety. And yeah. my parents were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> She's seven. <laughs> And they were like, pull her out of some activities, pull her, pull her out. And as soon as they did that, I stopped growing up and it makes sense. my symptoms went away. And I think that first of all, we do not, I think people try to dismiss stress in children because they have this pe- parents and adults have this idea that kids have nothing to be stressed about. Yeah. I have so mm-hmm. many stories like that. I mean, even going to the doctor when I was in college. 
and trying like to get like antidepressants and they were like what do you have to be depressed about you're in college like life is good for you and I was like what the fuck like, I'm sorry, but my my brain didn't just wake up one day and be like I'm, I'll be fine I'm in college like, like what so I, I think that as women and I, like I use those two examples and that because they remind me of your examples with your mom of like I think there are, there are so many ways that women can be just easily dismissed or just, um, no space held for being safe to like have an emotion, to have a feeling, to be authentically yourself. And when your parent can't do that and your mom, I think there's something really unique about the dynamics of mom and daughter relationships like this, where. And I, and I think it's really common. And that's why I wanted to do this episode today of where like, we're all women and we all kind of live in the same society where we're all dismissed for different things. We're all told to suck it up. Stop being a drama queen. You're too much. You're overdramatic, as you said. And we would hope that your mom living in the same world that we do, that we like, that we live in would understand that. And, but it's almost like they, they can't separate themselves from their daughter. And so mm-hmm. they like project all of their shit that unresolved shit on to their kids. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating to see now in 2022, where everyone's talking about mental health and just kind of putting themselves out there that more people are talking about it. And I, I think that more women I know struggle with their moms than don't. Mm -hmm. It is far more common than we think. (laughs) So your mom's never been a safe place. No. So what got you to go to therapy? Was it because of your mom and like stuff that you'd gone through or was it other things? And then that just kind of like got brought up as the core issue. Yeah, so um, it was. It's like kind of a whole bunch of things. Um, I have always struggled with uh, like depression, anxiety. Um, I, I used to have really bad panic attacks. I haven't had one in a couple of years, but I used to. And I used to have like suicidal ideation, and I used to do some self harm, and I also used to have an eating disorder. Mm. And just with the stress of life, like random things will just like pop up and I'm just like, ooh, I can't do that anymore. Like I gotta find like a better way to deal with this because like I can't just like not eat today or I can't just like try to hurt myself to like release some of that like pressure. Um and then on top of that, like me and my husband have been trying to have kids for a while and I work with kids and I I'm really like good at keeping like an even temper and like a calm and neutral voice while I'm working with them. But they're also not my kids. And I know it's different when it's like you are like dealing with your own kids mm-hmm. and things like my nieces and nephew. I'm so easy. I like staying cool, calm and collected with them. But I am so nervous that I am going to fall into like the behaviors that my mom did when she was raising us. And so I just want, like, my goal in therapy is literally just to talk through a lot of things and process a lot of things, see how they um, affect my behavior um, and affect, see if, like, 
what led to me having literally 700 billion mental health issues. <laughs> and so it's really me just working through it because I, I want, I don't want to ever make a kid feel how I felt as a child. Do you think that these experiences that you had growing up with your mom, like, are not that you're not that it's your mom's fault that you have mental illnesses, but like that these experiences triggered a lot of those symptoms. Yeah. So growing up, I was told, um, I had to be involved in all these things and I had to get all A's. And if I got a B, like I'd get in trouble, get a C, whew, you're grounded. Um, taking care of my sisters and constantly having that pressure, I became a perfectionist very quickly. Um, I So I know that played in a lot to like the anxiety and the panic is just that perfectionism. And then I know that played a lot into my eating disorder as well. Uh, I say eating disorder lately because I've never been officially diagnosed, but I was eating 400 calories a day in high school and working out seven hours. So, um, and I probably would have never been diagnosed because I, my BMI was healthy all of high school. So man, you know, I will say for me, I have been diagnosed with an eating disorder and I've had it for like 10 years and it was not easy for me to get as a diagnosis because I'm like a thicker girl. Mm-hmm. girl yeah they see my booty and they're like you fine they're like girl you ain't you, anorexic you eating. They're, like, girl. they're like girl you good <laughs> um yeah and um, I but I will say that oh man I am gonna be I'm gonna tread lightly because I'm not anonymous um I will say that my and and you know what dad I know you're listening to this and you're you're the first person to say that your biggest regret as a parent is your choices with nutrition and diet and parenting so I don't think you'll disagree with much of what I'm gonna say but I will I will say that a lot of my eating issues had a lot to do with and body image and eating disorder stuff had a lot to do with my parents' parenting decisions. And Mm -hmm. I am proud of my parents for being able to admit that they didn't make the right choices because most people's parents don't. But I think the reality is, and my dad always says, sorry, we're not all psychologists, Katie. (laughs) 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 And that's true. But but that's why we're doing this. And that's why we're talking about this. And that's why we're breaking Mm -hmm. the cycles. Because I think the messages that we get, whether it's about our bodies, whether it's about how we solve problems, whether it's about how we relate to each other, is really dictated by the way that our parents talk to us. And when we're young, it still is impacted well into adulthood. And I, I mean, I go to therapy as you all know, as I say in like every fucking episode and shout out to Jen, um, my therapist for 10 years. Um, we, we adore her. And I think that what I have uncovered in my own therapy is that a lot of my familiar familial patterns from at a young age played into a lot of the big quote unquote problems in my mental health now. And it's not that our parents are 
malicious. And I, and that struck me when you were talking about how like your dad was always like, just, that's just your mom. That's just how it is. That was a lot like the dynamic in my house too. And I think it's all really well intentioned, but what you end up doing is internalizing. And this is a big lesson that I've learned lately is that a lot of that is like internalizing, um, that you get, you can betray yourself and just not like advocate and speak up for your needs. And then it bubbles up in other places. So like your mom, like, you know, being verbally abusive and just like saying really mean things and never having any restitution or, you know, a positive conversation around healing that. And then your dad giving you the message at the same time of enabling it and just saying she either, she doesn't mean it, or that's just how she is. And you just have to ignore it. You get into this pattern in other areas of your life. And so instead of being able to talk about it, you eat your feelings or you work out a lot or you get into toxic relationships or you have panic attacks or you do drugs or you like there's so many different things that manifest itself but until you heal that until you face that head on it will manifest itself in other ways that are unhealthy because at the end of the day when you're ignoring your parent, you're trying to ignore and trying to minimize your parents' behavior. And the strategy there is to make it go away faster. Because if the more you fight with them, the more you confront them about it, the worse it will be for you, right? That was the lesson for me and my mm -hmm. family. The yeah. more I bring it up, the more I push the issue, the worse it, the, the worst of consequence will be for me. You come at mm -hmm. my parent, they'll come back at me 10 times harder. Yep. So I was, I learned and we all learned to not do that. And yeah. so for, for me, right. That manifested and you all have heard my story of being in relationships with men that I just looked the other way when they did horrible things to me. Yeah. And it was, oh, they can't help it. Oh, they don't mean it. But how it hurts me and how it affects me doesn't matter as long as I just look the other way. And I think that is such a theme that I see in women, especially millennials. My dad always like, you fucking millennials are so sensitive. <laughs> Yes, I think that our generation is talking about shit in a different way. I think this is one of those things. And it's a hard topic to talk about our parents because on one end, you can see, especially as we come into adulthood, right? You can like see where your parent went wrong or where your parent mm -hmm. is just a human and, and doesn't didn't have it perfectly. And like you even said, like my mom was a teen mom. So like, and from that perspective, it's like, okay, your, your mom probably had trauma of her own from a very young age. Having, mm -hmm. having a baby in your teens, I'd argue is a traumatic experience because yeah. you, you haven't had the opportunity to mature and age in such a way that you can be mentally prepared to care for a child. Yeah. And unfortunately she had like, I'm not going to tell her whole story, but like she had a lot of trauma. My uh, grandma has borderline personality disorder. So she was very emotionally and physically abusive to my mom and all of her siblings. 
Um, on top of that, when she was 17, she had her first child. And because my family, uh, not me, but like the rest of my family is incredibly religious. She was told, if you don't give this child up for adoption, I will not pay for your college and I will not provide for you at all. And she was not a legal adult. So she, uh, yeah, she had some unresolved trauma and she, instead of having a therapist to talk through all of that, she often uses like me and my, like my middle sister to just like cry on the phone about all of this stuff all the time. Um, so not the, the most effective. Well, and you ended up parenting your parent. Yeah. And that's a role that we fell into very quickly where like my sisters wouldn't listen to my mom. They would listen to me and my dad. So like my mom jokes about it all the time, but like it actually does things because it's like, oh, like, well, if you think that she's wild, like you're the one that raised her. Cause like, you know, me and my sister are well, pretty sassy. We joke around and be like, man, like you crazy. Wow. What you doing? And my mom be like, well, if you think she's like crazy, like you're the one that raised her. And it's just like, ha, that's a funny joke, but it's really not a good, a good joke. And it's yeah, funny, so. but <laughs> pathetic that that's true. Yeah. And actually I just, um, so you said something about how, like, I don't know, just it, it affecting our relationships and then how we take what we're learning at home and we do that. So until like the past two years, I've had the hardest time, and I still really struggle with it, with like saying my true opinions, say, making decisions and saying like how I feel. Like I've always just been that person that's like, I'm cool, let's do whatever. I'm cool, let's do whatever because that's what I had to do in my home. I had to be the, it's cool, whatever, like just mm-hmm. blow it off kind of person. Now, I will admit that I was not a great teenager and I, I did talk back to my mom quite a bit. But I also knew, like, you can talk back this much and then you got to cut it off. You knew, like, you knew, I knew how far to take it and when it was too far. Yeah. 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 So I would walk up to that line and then I'd be like, like, bag it up, bag it up, bag it up. Turn around. See you later. I'm going to go do some homework. I made my point. Bye. Yeah. So as an adult, in all my friendships and relationships, that's just how I've always been. And I actually, read this book called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. And it talks about how when you have a parent that is constantly leaning on you, and then on top of that, they are like, you're the one that goes for venting and like they don't have friends that they're venting to. They're just leaning all on you. And then on top of that, you're learning that like you can't truly show your feelings and you just always have to be the caregiver. You fall into friendships like that, which are also toxic because it has to be a back and forth. And I wish I learned this years ago, but I did it. And I actually, when I started learning that friendships have to be a back and forth and that you can't be the only one putting an effort, I called the two friends that weren't ever there for me really. And that like, I wasn't getting much out of the relationship. They were getting everything out of the relationship. And it ended up in two friendship breakups within like six months. And they had the exact same reaction my mom would have if I were to try to talk to her about my childhood. And, you know, my anxiety skyrocketed. It's like, I knew this was going to be the reaction. This is exactly how my mom reacted when I was a kid when I would try to talk. 
about my feelings. And like, here I am again, just like stomping around the world, breaking up with friends. Hey, COVID, this is fun. Okay, cool. Lose two friends. So um, it definitely made me want to be like, don't do that again. Just like suck it up, swallow it and don't say it. And then it was so crazy because when I moved back to my home state, and I met my now best friend, I just remember her being like, you can tell me anything. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, if I, if you upset me, I'm just going to like ignore it because you're going to just like tell me to F off. And like, she honestly has never done anything to frustrate me. But like, I think there was one time that she said something and I was like, oh, sorry, like that actually hurts my feelings because of this, this and this. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I won't say it again. I didn't know like that was a trigger for you. And I was like, what? Because like my mom could never do that. And then when I tried to confront friends that I thought could handle that kind of feedback, they couldn't do it. So it was like, I was three for three on the front of not being able to actually have those conversations. And I'm like, sometimes I still like, I'll talk to my best friend. I'm like, you real though? What are you doing? Why are you being nice? <laughs> like, um, I don't do like healthy communication. I don't, I don't like everyone's supposed to receive me and be mean to me. Yeah. I don't get this. I know it is like yeah. disorienting. I follow this, uh, therapist on Instagram I'll put her handle in the show notes. Her name is Whitney Goodman and her ex- Instagram handle is sit with wit. And she's the author of the book, toxic positivity. There's probably a podcast episode that will happen about me talking about that book. Um, if it hasn't already happened yet, but <laughs> it, she just came out with an article and I, I literally texted it to my family group chat and my family um, likes to tease me that I like tell them all to go to therapy. I'm all like, y'all need to go to therapy, go to fucking therapy. And they're like, okay, oh. yeah, we're, all, we're all fucked up. Casey, we have to go to therapy. Yeah, bitch, go to fucking therapy. Um, <laughs> I sent this article to the family group chat like the other day and I was like, from your family therapist. And the article is, are you from a good family? And it talks about, you know, like these two messages that we all hear. One is it's important to be family oriented. And the other one is you want to be with somebody that comes from a good family. And that this whole idea of, having to like put this image out there that you're super close with your family or that your family's super close knit, like somehow like elevates your social status in the article. It's really interesting. It talks about how like men are more likely to get jobs if they have this type of image, like in just, it's really interesting. She lists out like the qualities of a healthy family dynamic and the top one that she admits is able to admit when there's a problem. Yeah. And that they hmm. still have problems. <laughs> the second one is have a culture that promotes open communication, discussion, finding solutions, and apologizing when there has been wrongdoing. Sense of trust and comfort is the third. So those three things, I think when I talk to people my age and are, you know, that are in their thirties, um, that are millennials, I think the number one thing I hear and that what Whitney Goodman is talking about is our parents could not admit when there was a wrongdoing or admit that there are problems. 
Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of it comes from this need to have this image or this status that you come from a good family. And what I liked about this article is that good families do have problems. Um, poor families can have really healthy dynamics. Wealthy families can be completely dysfunctional. And I also think, you know, I don't want this, we don't want to go down a rabbit hole too much, but like social media also perpetuates this image of like, are you close to your family? Cause like, whatever, I'm obviously not going to out who you are, but I do know you on social media. And I've definitely over the years, like seeing you post with your mom, I would really probably have no idea that you had like really deep rooted issues with your mom. No one posts about that shit because, and you're anonymous for a reason because like the fucking fallout, the pushback. I mean, literally I probably after I post this episode, I'm going to end up having like a two hour therapy conversation with my dad on the phone. I guarantee it. Um, and that's fine. I, I think that I have come a long way in being able to like heal myself with my dad and, and my mom. And, but I, I say all that to say is that good families, close families create intimacy and trust and connection when you can talk about what hurts and that's hard. Yeah. You know, I think my mom, like she definitely like, and I'm, I mean, I'm probably do too, like played into that. Like, Oh, we have such a good family or, Oh, look at us. We're such a good family. And the book I read (laughs) talked about like these relationships are so surface level because you you don't have the trust and like, I don't, I don't have the trust to tell her like my deepest, darkest secrets to tell her, you know, what I'm struggling on the daily because, you know, even sometimes when I do try to open up to her, she loops the conversation back to her. So then it's just like, I don't have the trust. And I also don't have the patience to like constantly be talking about you when I'm trying to open up about something. Would you categorize your mom as a narcissist? Uh, You know, my aunt has a PhD in clinical psychology and is a psychologist. And she definitely thinks my mom has a personality disorder. She thinks that it, it might be borderline like my grandma because yeah. of all of the trauma that my mom experienced. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's so funny because my aunt and my uncle also experienced that exact same trauma. Cause it's not like my grandma just picked on one of them, like right. gave it to all of them. And my aunt came out of it on like the other way where like she just wanted to be such a kind and like honest and happy person and just like only wanted to be friends with people that like she could trust and that like could trust her. And she just always wants to be there for people. And like, she doesn't even like talking about herself. So she might be too far the other way. Like, I guess if you could take them and smush them together you'd have like a happy medium Mm -hmm. um so it's interesting to see like how that environment and everything can lead to like two completely different people but yeah my aunt has no signs of any personality she doesn't have ptsd anxiety it is interesting how like different kids in the family like totally i talk about that with my dad a lot because he has three siblings and they all were raised by the same parents and like Their personalities are so different the way that like, and that's every family. I mean, my brothers and I too are like completely different people raised in the same house. Like, I think that's very common and I don't have a good answer as to why that is. But I ask if your mom is a, is a narcissist because she reminds me of my, just the, the stories that you've told remind me of, um, my ex's mom who is a full-blown fucking narcissist and um don't care 
<laughs> if anyone wants to tell her I said that. Um, because she fucking is. And every, every single fucking thing that happened came back to her in some way. Like yeah. it became back to being about her. And I would say like, I don't know, my ex's dad being absent was a big part of his issues. But but her being this like abusive fucking narcissist, I would say was more impactful on the way that he turned out and fed into a lot of the things that he did with like the compulsive lying and the, and the cheating and like all the things that he did to me really stemmed from his toxic ass fucking relationship with his mom. And like mm-hmm. my therapist saw both him and I like as like she saw him as a client too. I, I made him go to therapy. So I was like, needs like maybe it didn't help, but you know, I tried. Yeah. And she recently said to me in session, she was like, you got your whole relationship, but the both of you was literally just like replaying your drama with your like your parent drama and like your family like wounds that you like haven't properly but like just hearing you talk about your mom and coincidentally his mom was a teen mom and you know I I do think that there is like some parallel there as there's something about Mm. that and that's why I say I think being a teen mom having trauma at a young age whatever does play into you not being always the right type of parent I don't think it's like a given I also have heard great amazing beautiful stories of teen mothers that you know have beautiful relationships with their kids and I'm not saying it's all doom and gloom but I'm saying that if you don't take care of your shit and Mm -hmm. you don't show up intentionally and confront your wounds and your trauma and try to heal them you are way more likely to repeat the cycle to perpetuate your wounds into your children. And then it's up to us to do the same thing. We're either going to continue the cycle or break it. And yeah. I, what I love and hate about social media is that in one regard, it's like everything is kind of fake and like on this highlight real pedestal. But on this other regard, the media is putting enough stuff out there and there's like enough creators like myself or even like Whitney Goodman, who is this like full-time therapist who talks about her client's experiences and paints this light, draws, puts light on this, that everybody fucking experiences this to some degree. I literally don't care who you are. I don't care if your Mm -hmm. parents are like the most, I don't care if you have two parents that are psychologists you will experience this in some degree. And I that's why I wanted to do this episode. I think everybody relates to struggling with their parents. And then it's also like defining your relationship with your parents in adulthood. Yeah. What What is your like biggest hope for your relationship with your mom in the future? Oh man, I don't even know because... That's funny. My therapist asked me this like a couple weeks ago. She's like, once you've done all your work, what do you want to happen with the relationship? Um, I would love if we could just talk about it because I, I don't think she was trying to hurt me intentionally. I don't think I don't think she was trying to push me into all my panic, depression, like 
having eating struggles and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't think that's what she wanted for me, but I don't ever see us being able to like talk through it until like she goes to therapy and she figured out she does have a personality disorder. I mean, she told me before, like how bad her anxiety is and how obsessive she is over certain things. And like, I personally don't think I could handle being that stressed about things. Hallelujah medication because <laughs> I could not function and like do my job if I was con- well you know I, I used to be that anxious and I said pop a pill we're gonna be good <laughs> where are my Zanny girls at where are my Lexapro queens at where are my Prozac princesses <laughs> I'm here having those vivid ass dreams every oh fucking night <laughs> a whole episode on Lexapro dreams, bro. That shit is fucking I wild. I can't. I literally I every day I wake up. Lexapro queens, and it that is a thing, you guys. Oh man, I no, I fucking am doing an episode on that. That is so true. <laughs> Girl, I got some doozies for you. I literally started writing them down. I I started so writing them that. down. I was like, this is fucked, and they all have to do like most of them have to do with my ex. And like, but they're, why are they? Why does everybody look exactly like they do in real life? My dreams were not like that before. No, my dreams vivid. were like people would have like blurred faces. Yes, no, like now it's like real, look different. Now it's like, did my husband actually just fucking stab me like that? Should I be mad? Am I about to like throw some goddamn bows, or are we good? Yeah. Like, I used to what's wake happening? up. I'm not on Lexpro anymore. Um, but when I like, I when I was like, I used to literally like wake up from some of those dreams and straight up be like, "What the fuck?" Like, I I started writing them down because I was so I, I freaked out and I like couldn't get the feeling. You know, when you like wake up from a dream and you just can't shake the feeling of it. Yes. And you're like, I am still like, I'm sad or I'm mad or I'm feeling like feisty. Like what the heck? Yeah. I So I started writing them down because, and that helped. I was having like traumatic ass fucking dreams of like, yes. re, like either replaying or, or, or like playing out scenarios that just, it was, it was a mess. It was just like a mess. And it's like, it's all your brain, like processing, you know, like things that yeah. you're struggling with. And I mean, they don't really know. When I'm nervous about, like, especially, like, telling my mom something and I think she's going to, like, have a freak out, I will literally have a dream where she does completely blow up. And then I'm like, did I call her yesterday to, like, talk to her or was that fake? Because no, yep. I feel like now I don't know if I can, like, call her today to talk to her or if I should just let it be. I cannot tell you, like, even just with arbitrary things of, like, how many times I've been, like, you know, I think we had this conversation, and they're, like, no, we didn't. I'm, like, fuck, that was a dream. Wow. It was, it was really, really intense. And, like, I was a vivid dreamer before, so then I got on Lexapro, and it was, like, whoa. And then my psychiatrist was, like, yeah, are you having really vivid dreams? I was, like, yeah, what the fuck? Is that a thing? (laughs) Nobody freaking told me, and do you think I read that pamphlet? My anxious hands opened the bottle and swallowed the pill. Yeah, like, hell no. I mean, when I started taking Lexapro. This will make you feel better. And I said, okay. Yeah. I did not read the pamphlet. Oh, fuck no. When I started taking Lexapro, I was like half alive. (laughs) I was like, I just 
need this. Like, I was, was about to have a panic attack. I was like, I need it now in my body. But the thing with Lexapro, like, no, the thing with Lexapro is it takes a long time to like build up in your body. That's when you need it. When you're having a panic attack, you need like Ativan, Xanax. I know. <laughs> you need like the real, real dramatic, shit for that. But- but like Lexapro, yeah. like no, but I was like half dead. Like they're like, this is this is gonna make you feel better. And they're like, by the way, it will take four to six weeks to take effect. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I know the second day I looked at my husband and I said, Yo, I'm still anxious. And he was like, My meds took like six weeks to take effect. And I was like, I can't take six more weeks of like, oh my God. I, my therapist was legit concerned. She's like, I don't know if you can like hold on for six weeks. I was like, yeah, yeah. same. We're going to figure this out. So then they gave me a fucking trazodone, put me down like a dog. <laughs> like, she can't move. She can't hurt herself. We Literally, are like, I'm not fucking kidding. <laughs> it's legit. I was on like trazodone and Lexapro together. You gotta do to get through, man. You gotta just get through. But yeah, so anyway. I digress. I digress. tangent. But anyways, so yeah, she just, I think she would have to take medication and go, well, if she has certain personality disorders, medications don't work. So she would have to do a lot of therapeutic work, I think, before we could truly be open and talk about everything. And, you know, I think she has it in her, because I see her, like, I see her interacting with, like, her grandkids like my nieces and nephews and like she's a great grandma I don't know if she's just like oh I didn't do it right the first time like but now I know how to like treat kids like I remember one time my nephew spilled like red juice on her cart like her rug and she was like it's not a big deal I'll just clean it up and if it doesn't come out I'll just buy a new one I was like <laughs> like if I would have spilled that you would have whooped my ass I was like, ma'am, why are you having the appropriate response? That's a thing with grandparents. I don't know. Like, that's a thing in my family, too. My dad was, like, shook when my grandpa became a grandpa. He was like, you're like, what the fuck? Where was this energy? (laughs) To be fair, that's how my mom was when my grandpa became uh, a grandpa. He was like, why are you being nice to my daughter? And he was like, granddaughter this is so fun and she was like you were kind of a dick when we were kids yeah like what the fuck I do think that's a thing I don't know what it is I but also it's like I think they're I don't know when I might you know my dad's not here to like I'm not gonna quote my dad but when I, I'm just gonna say the vibe I get from my dad when he has said that is that and whether it's conscious or subconscious there is this like weird vibe of like re- not I don't want to say resentment but kind of like, why couldn't you be yeah. that parent like you're a grandparent and, like, have that, like, loving, unconditional acceptance? And, like, my dad had a really good relationship with his parents. My dad says he has a really good relationship with his parents, and but I think his parents also struggled in for different reasons. And, but yeah. I, but all that to say is that I do think, like, when you had these struggles with your parents and then you see them like reparenting as grandparents in the ways that you missed as a kid, there is like some like resentment kind of, or just like, huh. Wish we could have had that relationship. Absolutely. And it's just like, yeah, it's hard watching her see be like, cool calm and like collected with 
her grandkids and then being like, wow, that's like not how our household was. And Mm -hmm. the reason I have such a short fuse with being around you and like being able to handle interacting with you alone is because you were completely the opposite of that. And I I just don't want to stay around for you to like explode. Um, And I just remember like before we were even trying to have kids, I told my husband, like, I don't want, I don't want my mom like around our kids. And this is before I really saw her like interacting with her grandkids. And he was just like, like, why? And I was like, because like, the emotional damage, emotional damage, emotional damage, <laughs> emotional damage. Um, <laughs> if you know, if you know, you know. If not, sorry. yeah. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you don't, get with it. Ooh, get um, on TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't be watching your freaking Instagram feeds that are six months behind. And my sister's sending me TikToks, but I'm like, that was 26 months ago. Yeah, get like, out that's here. lame. Get off reels. Get on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I, I agree. So, yeah, so I, I told my husband, like, I didn't want her, like, taking care of her kids. I was like, I don't care if she comes over and hangs out because then if something that could cause some emotional turmoil, make them feel bad about themselves, make them feel like they're not good enough, that they're not doing enough, um, when they're just, like, a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old kid, like, I just don't want them to do that because that's not what we're going to strive for in this household. Like, will we have boundaries? Yes. But like, I don't, we don't need to traumatize people to set those boundaries. And then I saw her interacting with my nieces and nephews and I was like, Oh, I, I mean, I guess she can watch our kids because that's not her, but it is her. So it was just like weird. Um, did it meet your expectations like, of how you thought she was going to be? Yeah, I just thought yeah. she would be like, oh, you said something? Like, I'm just going to talk to you about it for hours about how, like, you're horrible because you spilled something. And it's like, mm, okay, cool. <laughs> it's like, that kids don't need to deal with that. But, yeah, I know she's, yeah. she's a really good grandma. I will say that. And I think, so, I mean, what would you say to someone that is listening to this struggling with their mom what what would you want what would what would you want someone to say to you oh I I really wish someone would have told me that like just to focus on myself because I think I got a little lost in the sauce because I was just focusing on like how to please her so much and I I think that's where a lot of my mental health issues stem from because I just kind of put my self-care aside and was just constantly how can we keep her calm how can we keep the household at peace what can I do with my sisters to get them out of the way so she can stay calm cool and collected and we just have to remember that like the only one that's looking out for us at the end of the day is us the only one that knows how we feel internally is us so we have to listen to our bodies and listen to our mind and we we have to pay attention to it. And if something is not working, then it's not working. Um, if, you know, we have to love our family, but we don't have to like them and we don't have to hang out with them all the time. And we don't have to go to events and family gatherings that are going to make us anxious and tired and just incredibly 
out of, I don't know, like sometimes I'll go places and I'm just like off for like three days. It's like, you don't have to do that all the time. And my mom, like you were talking about the good family thing. My mom does want us to have these big gatherings all the time. And just like, oh, we're such a good family. We're so close. But but like, if you have a strained relationship, those gatherings are so hard. And so again, you have to listen to yourself. And if your body's telling you no, then don't go. And it's like, that's what you have to do for your mental health and for your self-care. That's what you have to do. Like I have a friend that I went to high school with that actually lives in the same town I live in now. And her mom is pretty much identical to my mom and the behavior aspect. And she is always going back to our hometown to visit her mom. And I'm like, just tell her no. And she's like, I know, but then she'll get mad. And I'm like, but like, what is she going to do over text? Is she really going to drive two and a half hours to like make you hang out with her? No, she's like never been out to where we live. <laughs> and you've lived out here for like seven years so I like just text her and say no so yeah just I wish someone would have just told me like look out for yourself if I would have heard that in high school I think I would have stopped being so conscious like so constantly petrified that like what I was doing like wasn't gonna make her happy because then I would have realized I'm never gonna make her happy because she isn't happy and that's just, that's the truth. And you just, sometimes you just have to like walk away. And it's the same thing for those two friendships where they were, personalities were very similar to my mom and the relationship was very much the same. It's like, I was so scared to talk to them about how I was feeling. And then when I did and it didn't go well, um, I was like, I messed up. And then it was like, you know, maybe a couple of months later, I was like, no, I needed to do that. I need to do that for me because I haven't felt this good in a while. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to just let yourself take care of you, but you just got, because those kind of people, whether they are doing it intentionally or not, they're probably just never going to change. Cause I'm telling you right now, most of the time, my mom doesn't see an issue with her behavior. Um, she's also caused a lot of emotional trauma for my aunt, who is her older sister. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that they're like best friends and that they had the best childhood together and that they stuck it through the trauma together. And that's just not what happened. So sometimes you just gotta let it be. And like, I've just learned to be okay with not being best friends with my mom. Bitch, you need to hear this. You are the caretaker of yourself at the end of the day. And you are not put on this earth to please everyone, including your mom. And there is such a thing as perception versus reality. And if you take a Psych 101 class, we all live in a different perception And none of us live in reality, but some of us don't live in any semblance of reality at all. And it is super important that you stay true to yourself and your boundaries and your needs. And sometimes that looks like walking away from people that love you or that are supposed to love you. And that society tells us that we're better to be closer to. So sometimes it feels uncomfortable to stay to our authentic truth. Welcome. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) 
but no, I thank you for sharing that. I think it is a really powerful message. I think we all struggle with parent wounds. I really do. I think every single person listening to this, I don't care if your mom's your best friend. Um, I adore my mom. She is the sweetest, nicest lady in the entire world, but she has her limitations too, because we're all human. And I love that part of me creating this platform and, and a gift that it has created is that, and, and not just this platform, but also all the healing work that I've done, but also being so public about it and people seeing it unfold in real time, like instead of me just doing it in my therapist's office, is that I'm having really difficult conversations with my parents. And and like, this isn't for everyone. Like someone that has a personality disorder, like your mom that like is unable to like receive feedback in any way and hasn't done any work on themselves. Like what I'm about to say, my parents have done a lot of work on themselves over a lot of years. So like, that's not the case for most people, but my parents still have their limitations. But what I will say is that by doing this work, by talking about what hurts, by being authentic and true to me in the last year, in the last, well, I would say last year, I would say the last three months, four months, I have created more, um, vulnerable, authentic, and, moved my relationship with my parents forward in a really positive way because we have talked about what's hard. And so I think if you take nothing away from this episode today is that I encourage you to find safe places, whether that's a therapist's office, whether that's your best friend, whether that's talking directly to your parent, but I encourage your husband or your boyfriend or whoever, wherever, I encourage you to find a safe place to talk about and process through your wounds from your parents. And I also encourage you to stay true to who you are and set those boundaries. And sometimes it means not going to Christmas, walking away, not going in the gathering, not being in their presence. And that just because you don't come from a quote unquote good family does not mean that you are not inherently good and you have value and you have worth And I believe in each and every one of you that we all will rise above and do better and break the cycle. So thank you for sharing your story and being willing to come on here. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I think this is something that we don't talk about enough. You're welcome. And I am so surprised I didn't cry. So yay for therapy. (laughs) Okay, that is, okay, also like, at, but like last thing I'm going to say for in the episode, that is a thing. When you, when I started going to therapy, I could not talk about any of my shit without bawling. I was like hyperventilating, could not talk. It was mm-hmm. so messed up. The more I go to therapy, the more I like talk about this shit. I like, I don't cry anymore. I mean, I sometimes cry, but, but I really don't cry as much. I really don't. It's like, I've really, yeah. well, I gave you like a warning before that I was like, I know. I'm not crying and I'm talking about it. This is great. Look at you. We love to see it. And it's okay if you do cry. You got to cry first yeah. before you get mm-hmm. to there. So if you're listening to this yeah. crying, thinking about your own mom, that's, we love that. Please let it out. But like, I, I, I agree that the more you talk about it, the less emotional it feels, the less it feels like it's going to like destroy you. If you just, yeah, it just feels like facts. 
after yeah, a while. Like, it becomes very objective and it's just facing mm-hmm. and it's like the more you face it, the less scary it is. So I encourage you to have these conversations. I, and if there's nowhere, if you don't want to, if there's no one you want to talk to fucking DM me. Okay. I'll talk to you about it on Instagram. We'll fucking start sending voice memos back and forth. Okay. I want to hear from you. I love this community. I love you all. Um, it's been like, I think by the time this episode's come out, it's going to be like a month of season two and, or almost a month. And I have just been so inspired and empowered by the season two launch, you guys. And I, I keep saying it every week, but there's like a lot of cool stuff going on and a lot of really big announcements that are going to come out. Um, and some like cool Christmas holiday, Christmassy things that are going to be happening. And I'm just really excited to show you all these things I've been working on the last several months. Like we're really next leveling this community and I'm just like so inspired by y'all. And the reason that I'm able to grow it so much is because you guys are so dedicated to the show and what the mission is. So next week, it'll be just me with our BU series um, where I will be riffing off about some topic that is relevant and true to all of us. And then the following week, I'll have another lovely lady and her amazing, inspiring story. So until next week, this has been Bitch, You Need to Hear This.